This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. When we are bold enough to be open about where we've been wounded and be vulnerable and honest with people, that's when we bless those around us who are struggling. That's Steve Seiler, songwriter, music producer, and founder of Music for the Soul. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. And he's laughing at me because of my funny <laughs> cadence. <laughs> so we're here to thank you for, we're here to thank you for listening to this show that's coming up. We are here to help you bring your bold idea to life by putting your faith to work. And we have a terrific guest on the program here today, don't we, Armin? We always do, Larry. We always do. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Steve Seiler, he's an accomplished songwriter and music producer, having produced over 500 of his songs and recorded in Christian pop and country markets. He's the founder and director of Music for the Soul, an award-winning ministry that uses songs and stories to bring the healing and hope to Jesus Christ and people in deep pain. The contributing songwriters to his organization have, get this, a combined 22 Dove Awards. He is the creator and producer of the Somebody's Daughter Project, a video series and CD addressing the challenges of pornography. And he has been nominated for multiple Dove Awards. He's a speaker, has appeared on all kinds of programs, the National Right to Life Conference, the American Association of Christian Counselors. This guy has been around all the corners of pain in Christian living and all the things that we deal with as people and he's here to sing about it. <laughs> and so we just want to welcome to the program uh, my friend, Steve Seiler. Thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, great to have you. You know, Steve, you and I have been friends for a long time, or at least we've known each other for a long time. And I can honestly say, I know that you have written like over 500 songs, but I'm not exactly sure how did you get into this business? I mean, what Tell us about your journey here. You're an accomplished songwriter, but how did you get there? Well, you know, my the beginning of my story is not all that unusual. Uh, I was watching Ed Sullivan with, you know, half of the civilized world and saw these guys, the Beatles. And Wait thought a minute, to we myself, got to stop well, and check if not- Armin knows who Ed Sullivan. <laughs> I do. All right, okay, go ahead. <laughs> but I thought to myself, that looks like a good job. And uh, I asked my dad to get me a guitar. Mm. And I was trying to emulate them, and by the time I was 10, I was writing songs, and even now as I look back on that, I came out with a gift for melody. I mean, I was just born with a gift for melody. The lyric thing took years to develop, but, uh, you know, the the music thing was just there from the beginning, and so that's how I was inspired to, to get involved with music, and I kept up with it. I had bands throughout school and, and uh, played in the school orchestra, sang in the school choir. Anytime music was available, uh, I was involved. And, uh, you know, I, I basically never veered from that. What was your first song about at the age of 10? Yeah, yeah very, good My question. very first song was called Stop It. Oh. And, uh, you know, it, it was basically a relationship breakup song, which, of course, I knew absolutely nothing about. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe it was for your sister or something. Yeah, that's you know? what I was it's, like, it's for the sibling. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Very angry. Why was he so angry? <laughs> 
So it was a breakup song at the age of 10, even though you've never been in a relationship or in a breakup. Right. So obviously I was emulating uh, other songwriters, which, uh, you know, they say that's the sincerest form of flattery. So that's, I guess that's what I was doing. Obviously, was it, was it a country, country song? Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I, you know, I was listening to the Beatles and, and all the British okay. invasion right. bands. So it was a pop- they were playing on KHJ in Los Angeles when I was growing up. All right. Okay. 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 Now, I have to ask this question. What's the last song you wrote about? The last song that I wrote is called Heaven's Playground, and it was written, co-written with a woman who's had several miscarriages, and she wanted to write a song about what her child is doing in heaven. Mm, wow. So took a little bit deeper turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a long road from just stop it to heaven's playground. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in the serious business at Music for the Soul. Yeah. Oh gosh, we gotta talk about that journey. Now you have um founded Music for the Soul, and that is, uh, I think, how I know you through your yes. organization there. And um, you've done a lot of great stuff. Thank you. Pretty courageous to take that turn from what you were doing into this ministry. So talk about that. What was the catalyst for you to begin this ministry? And, and maybe talk about the ministry itself. Start there. Well, Music for the Soul, we use songs and stories to uh, to talk about the things that are difficult for people to open up about. Uh, So we've done projects on things like uh, suicide grief, on things like eating disorders, on having remorse over an abortion in one's past, about being addicted to pornography. Basically, if people are having trouble talking about it, we're going to sing about it. The reason for that is that if you hear something, in, you know, when people are going through whatever it is, they always think they're alone and they're the only one who's ever been this guilty or this sad or whatever the case may be. And when you hear something in a song and you recognize yourself in it, it has a way of normalizing and helping you to understand that you are not alone. Our, our goal basically is to let people know that no matter what they're going through, God is with them. They're not alone. God understands. God cares. And also that there are other people who've lived the same thing and who will walk that journey with them. Yeah, I was pretty surprised on your website. I knew about Somebody's Daughter Project, and you could talk about mm-hmm. that too. But I, I hadn't realized how what the breadth of songs that you are writing about. I mean, I saw abortion uh, recovery, addiction, adultery, anxiety. Those are all the big A's, right? Right, fear, that's just before you get out of A, right? Yeah, <laughs> fear, body image. Oh, yeah, Alzheimer's, another A. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where do you go, Armin, to find a song about Alzheimer's? I've never heard well, one. Now you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Music for the soul. Steve, talk about that. How has that music written directly to those points of pain been helpful for people and what kind of response have you received? Oh, my gosh. The responses, I mean, they're what keep you going on the days when it's just all too hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, But this is life-giving for people. Like like I said, if if somebody... Um, I'll, I'll give you one example. There was a lady that whose son had committed suicide and she was a single mom and she had basically given up her faith, just lost her faith. And there's a song on the Suicide Grief Project called How Could You? And it's a song that speaks directly to God and says, how could you let this happen? It's just being totally honest. I think that's one of the things that Music for the Soul does well. Um, we tell the truth about the hard stuff and we think God is a big boy and can handle our anger, our rage, our, you know, anything we can throw at God, uh, God can handle. And so uh, that lady actually came to our office and knocked on the door unannounced and came in and told her story. And she said, you know, I had lost my faith. And then 
I heard this song and she said, now God and I are talking again. All I'm doing is screaming at him, but at least we're talking. <laughs> I love that. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of intervention. I think that we, you know, the kind of hope, difficult hope that we can bring to people. Yeah, Steve, what made you choose to direct your energies to the hurting like that? Well, a couple things, I think. First of all, when I was in high school, the high school counselor told my mom I should consider being a counselor. I, I've had this weird thing my whole life where total strangers walk up to me and start spilling their guts to where, I mean, I'll think, you really shouldn't be telling me this because you don't know me. I don't know what it is, but it's just been been something that's happened to me my whole life. Wow. My mom was a really good listener, and I think perhaps I just learned from her how, how, to, how to be present and listen to people. And, and it's amazing. People want to share their story. They need to share their stories. So I think when somebody perceives that you're open to that, you know, then, then there's that possibility to, to be, uh, you know, to minister to somebody simply by being quiet. Then with my music, I was pursuing, I, I, I joke with people that I was trying to be the second coming of Peter Frampton. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't working out so well. I was having just enough success to to keep the carrot in front of me, my nose, but just really not getting there. And then I had my first hit song in, in pop music on the radio. And when I heard it, I felt nothing inside. Oh, wow. And I thought, okay, something's wrong here. This is the moment I've worked for my whole life and I don't, I don't feel anything. Yeah, there's no enjoyment of that. I realized in that moment that I was simply aping the culture and giving people what I thought they would buy, and there was nothing of me in the work. Mm. So I went into church, middle of the night, just basically said to God, you know, I know this gift of music is from you. Please show me how I'm supposed to be using it or show me whatever I'm supposed to be doing, but clearly this is not it. How old and were you at the time that you weren't 10 or 12 at this point, right? You're I was 30, I think I was 31 or two. Uh, all right, okay. And what happened was a couple of weeks later, I got a call from a total stranger. He had heard me sing one of the three Christian songs I'd written up to that point in my life. He had, on a day he'd visited our church. And he called me up and he said, hey, I'm uh, producing a play uh, a stage play on childhood sexual abuse based on a book by two Christian authors. And we wanted to have uh, original songs. And I think you're the guy who's supposed to write them. Wow. I did not know him at all. And he did not know me at all. And I mean, I literally held the phone out and looked up at the ceiling is like, wow, God, that's really specific. <laughs> and because I just was stunned and I met with him and he put this book on the table and I looked into the eyes of the little girl on the cover and I just said, I'll do it. I don't know why you think I'm qualified, but, you know, you've brought this opportunity to me. And I went home, guys, got down on my knees next to the piano for the first time ever and said, Lord, if you think this project is something I can help with, please help me. And I wrote my first songs, uh, issue-oriented songs that weekend, wow. took them to a therapist the following week, said, I don't want to hurt anybody. This is important stuff. I don't want to do more harm than good. Will you listen to these and tell me what I've got here? And she called me the following Monday and said, Steve, I hope you won't be angry with me. I used your songs with clients over the weekend. Hmm. And for me, that was a door swinging open and going, oh, my gosh, you can do that. <laughs> you know, because I grew up with Dick Clark in the bandstand. You know, it's a great he's got a great beat. You can dance to it. I mean, it never occurred to me that music could be a healing device for people. Yeah, this is not for dancing or for worship on a Sunday morning, probably. Right. Right. I, you know what I call our stuff? I call our stuff horizontal worship. Because, you know, the great commandment says, love God and love our neighbors ourselves. And in worship, we do really well with the vertical piece, but we can walk out of church and never even have asked the person next to us how they're doing. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, you would be stunned at, at what surrounds you in church, at the pain that's in that room with you. Um, you know, when we do our issue, our records, people will say, well, I get it. You do niche recordings. But I'll tell you what, when you look at the statistics on all the records we do, there's no such thing. You know, you're talking about one out of every three, one out of every four, you know. And of course, we all know people, whether or not we've been personally affected, I'll just pick one, whether or not you've personally had an eating disorder or have body image issues, you know lots of people who have or who do, whether it's at your church or in your family or at the school you attend or whatever at work. And and people walk around carrying this pain. And so I think sometimes, you know, in our rush to, to vertically uh, worship, we just forget the second commandment altogether. Yeah, that's good. Speaking of second commandment, is there a scripture that you find you come back to time and time again? I'll tell you what, especially since, you know, music is a media device in our culture. The scripture that comes back to me all the time is from Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Mm. Because I think in our culture right now, what we're doing instead is we're being frenetic and constantly entertained and we're shoving God to the side. Mm. We aren't even hearing our own thoughts. We aren't seeing seeing the miracles right in front of us because we're too plugged in to notice anything. And I just feel like, you know, it's turning us into a reactive culture. We're reacting to this blog or this, you know, this meme or this screaming match on cable or whatever it is. And we're not hearing God's still small voice calling us to what we're supposed to be doing. So to me, that that be still really helps me. It helps me remember and be with God to know what God is speaking to me. I'm just thinking about what you're saying. There seems to also be, I think, among believers, a little bit of familiarity breeds apathy. You know, I uh-huh. think we've all been in churches where we actually sing the song, but our heart's not in it. We're just lips mm-hmm. lip syncing if if that yes. and it, it seems to me like you're writing songs that it'd be hard to do that too just because of the the specificness of the specificity of it the mm-hmm. the pain centered piece of it yeah you know i didn't know this part going in leary i i started the ministry because anecdotally i'd seen it make a difference I had a woman walk up to me at a conference and say, people have been telling me I was an innocent child my whole life. I never believed it till I heard you sing it today. Mm. You know, somebody says something that, like that to you and, and you and you stop and go, that sounds like a word from the Lord. You know, that, that, mm-hmm. that sounds like a directive. But I didn't know when I started the ministry that a song is the only form of communication that engages the whole brain. And why is that? It's because language speaks to the left hemisphere um, you know, where our words and, and lyrics are processed and melody speaks to the right hemisphere. And what is processed in the right hemisphere? Trauma. Mm. So when you talk to somebody about their trauma, you're hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Whereas a song goes deep. Haven't you ever been minding your own business and a song comes on and bam, you're, you're back 20 years ago uh, in some memory, or before you know it, you're crying, or before you know it, you're putting the top down and, and you know, you're all excited. You know, a song can change your mood instantaneously. It yeah. goes deeper. It goes deeper. I feel that way. I listen to feelings and I'm shot, you know. It's- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure, didn't neuroscientists prove that the two things that trigger nostalgic memories the most is smell and music? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. And wow, that's, yeah, you didn't know that going in, but God knew that and when he called you to it, and that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I actually had a Christian therapist at, at the American Association of Christian Counselors say to me last year, the brain science is finally catching up to you. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, great, I've been doing this for 18 years. <laughs> Finally catching up. I guess better late than never applies, right? Well, you know, you have you have such a broad set of uh, songs, as like I said, dealing with so many different issues. I'm wondering, how do you pick where to go? Well, that that really is a listening to God piece for me. Uh, there are some issues that people are surprised we haven't dealt with. Those are, would be the ones that have already been dealt with a lot in songs. Uh, I, I try to look for the places where I think there is a dearth of material, not enough material, and especially the things that are really hard. You know, w- the way we do this is we interview people who have lived through these issues. I call it putting on the coat of pain. I mean, we literally sit down in this stuff for months and sometimes years at a time. And we talk to the people who counsel, the Christian counselors about this to to make sure that we're hitting all the different beats. Um, Because in any one of these issues, there's kind of an arc. There's caught in the pain or the behavior. And then there's an arc of steps toward healing that ends ultimately with freedom and wholeness. And, you know, there are a lot of steps along that journey. And so what we try to do is look for the the points on that journey that sometimes just don't get discussed, don't get talked about, but that everybody's living with. And that's that moment when somebody hears a song and goes, oh, my gosh, that's me. They, they know what I'm feeling. They know what I'm thinking. That's the kind of connection we're looking for, because our God, of course, does know what we're feeling and thinking. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to say we're of God, I feel like we need to demonstrate that that kind of knowing. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Hey, all this is Armin and Larry here. I just want to thank you for being a part of our podcast journey here at the Bold Idea Podcast. And uh, we would love to remain a ad-free podcast. So if this is a podcast that you're enjoying, would love to keep it ad-free. Please go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate and help us keep it ad-free. And this was not an ad. <laughs> There's two specific areas. I'm curious if you guys have made any music around, but uh, the two that come to my mind is shame and the other thing would be lust or sex or something around that arena. Have you guys done uh, songs around either of those two topics? Well, as a matter of fact, it's funny you should ask that. Uh, I would say those are the two areas where we spend the most time. I actually was asked to write a song for a conference last year for people who are uh, having trauma over abuse in their past. And I wrote a song called Shame Died. Because to me, when Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't there shaming us. And yet we seem to really like to, even as Christians, we just seem to like to go to that shame place and let the enemy lie to us. So there's a ton of songs in our catalog that deal with the issue of shame. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, um, the first project I worked on in ministry was for sexually abused kids. And I can't believe how often, no matter how hard I try to get away from the dysfunctional and abusive sex issue, it just comes back and back and back. Easily our most viewed and listened to project is somebody's daughter, A Journey to Freedom from Pornography. Uh, We have another piece we did called The Apology, which is a single song, but it's basically an apology from the the men of the world to the women of the world for the, the culture of objectification that we've created. And Christian men are just as guilty as anybody else. Uh, We have a song called Child of God for sex traffic victims. It's been all around the world. 
Um, so yes, the answer to your question is yes. We've done a lot on those two issues and we're working right now on um, a project called Innocent Child, which probably won't be out until at least 2020, but that is going to include a lot of songs about uh, sexual abuse. Steve, I'm, I'm tempted to ask you a question. You uh, spend a lot of your energy now focusing on writing songs for people in need. And I know a lot of ministries born out of people in need. And I'm wondering if you were to go back when you were younger, perhaps before you found this direction for your life, and if there was a Steve Seiler who would write a song for you, what would he title it? Hmm. Well, there were there were different phases of of my life before doing ministry. One of my big issues was feeling like I wasn't enough of a man because I wasn't successful. Uh, I wasn't making enough money. I wasn't making enough career headway. And so I, I just didn't feel, fulfilled isn't even the right word. I didn't feel adequate. That yeah. would be the right word. I didn't feel adequate. So much so, I will confess to you that I did a horrible thing. I had never made any money as a songwriter or not enough to speak of. And I was offered the opportunity to write the uh theme song for the opening of the Chippendales Male Strip Club in London. <laughs> and they were going to pay me. Uh-huh. And I said, yes, uh-huh. I took the gig. And the fact that God would give a ministry like mine to somebody who, I mean, basically that's a Peter moment, right? Uh-huh. That's, that, you know, a big time. I denied Christ for... <laughs> I'm ashamed. Two hundred and fifty dollars, guys, uh-huh. just to get just so I could say I've been paid to write a song. <laughs> I love that you that, just shared. That. You're a Thank professional you. songwriter now. <laughs> That's how desperate I was. Yeah. yeah. Now, now it's ridiculous when I think of, of how many millions of people have heard my stuff now, and that's all by the grace of God because right. that all came afterwards. Yeah. Isn't that cool how he redeemed that? The very that. fact that God would say, watch me work. What I'm going to give this guy to, to do to get into to writing songs professionally is I'm going to give him a, a project for sexually abused kids uh-huh. after he went and did what he did. Yeah, you don't need to keep throwing slop in front of pigs when your heavenly father has a very noble thing for you to work on. I hmm. mean, for crying out loud. I mean, it's just, I, sometimes I can't even believe my own story, but that's what happened. So have you written songs about that? about the sense of inadequacy that many men and many women feel probably. I know body image is out there, but I don't think I saw anything about, you don't think you're a success, so what? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, what I find is that people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, you know that song you wrote about? And I'll think, I never wrote a song about that. Uh-huh. And then they'll start quoting me the lyric and I go, well, yeah, that's that's mine. <laughs> so the answer <laughs> but what to your it wasn't question, about that, right? Yeah, the answer to your question is, I don't know. And uh-huh. having heard that question, I'm going to go back through the catalog and, and see what the answer is. Because if the answer is no, then I need to. Yeah, it just seems like that would be something that I, you know, I think a lot of people could identify with. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're setting out to try to know if, you know, it's kind of like, Dad, did I do a good job? You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, well done. Good yeah, and faithful servant. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one, of the, that's one of the resonant questions I know in my own life that's propelled me is just wanting to know that I've measured up to, you know, at one point in time, my dad's expectations. And that's what I've had to work mm-hmm. on in my life. And yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because one of the things I find myself saying to people a lot, because like I said, our, our issues deal with shame a lot, is God is crazy about you. 
You know, God loves you. You don't have to do anything to prove yourself. I have, there's a song called A Child of Mine on our Broken to Bless record. And that's the whole point of the song is God's just saying, you're my child. I love you. Uh-huh. You know, you don't have to try so hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess that is the inadequacy song now that I'm now that I realize I'm answering your question. Oh, that's good. Um, you got it. I wrote that for a, for a woman who has a special needs child and was beating herself up for not being a good enough mother. Hmm. And I thought, are you kidding me? You deserve a medal for getting out of bed. And I found as I was praying for her one morning, I was walking and I was praying for her and the lyrics to Child of Mine just started coming to me and they were for her. But they're for all of us because yeah. we're all of us are God's kids and we all feel inadequate at times. You know, I'm thinking right now about Zephaniah 316, which says he rejoices over you with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like he's he's singing a song. Mm. Yeah. Uh, singing a song and rejoicing over you. And so it's just like God has a song for each of us. And I love that you're 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 taking that down and kind of emulating what that scripture says is that mm-hmm. you're taking it. You, you can't quite write a song for every individual person, Steve, but you're getting a lot closer by saying, you know, this is what's touching you. And if mm-hmm. if your heart is broken by it, God's heart's broken by it because he gave you that heart. Yeah. You know, too, yeah. Larry, you know, what I've learned is that if there are 500 people in the room, there are 500 songs being heard. Yeah. Because everybody's hearing through the paradigm of their own story. And so Uh, God can meet each one of us with what we need in that moment out of that song. So I, I trust that. As, as, I, as we write up with our team, I trust that. Yeah, and I've had the same experience when I give a talk. I imagine, Armin, you have as well. People come up and say, hey, you know, when you said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know that I said that, but maybe, <laughs> you know, that's what God told you. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Very good, yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, Steve, what are some of the challenges that you find yourself needing to stretch out and trust God for in your ministry today? Well, with the advent of streaming, it's really made what was already difficult. The financial piece has gotten harder. And there's an upside to that. I I will admit there's an upside to that. Because of streaming, people are hearing our songs all over the world who would not otherwise have been able to hear them. And so the actual numbers of people being touched Mm -hmm. has grown. But our revenue, well, a perfect example, if if 10,000 people downloaded a song from our website, uh, we'd make $13,000. Those same 10,000 people stream the song from our website, we make $2.30. Mm. So that's just a flat-out numbers game. But again, it comes down to trusting God. That, Like I said, this is our 18th year, so I figure there's a way that we will continue to do this work if, if God wants us to do it. But that is, you know, you can't help it. As a, as a ministry, there, that's a piece of it. You have to be able to raise the funds to do the work. And so that that is a challenge. And again, it becomes a trust issue and, and it taps right into that old inadequacy thing. Yeah, I get it. Totally. Talk about the Somebody's Daughter Project, because that really was a phenomenal thing that you did. Thank you. You know, I wrote Somebody's Daughter because my best friend called me one night and said, Steve, I have to confess a, a problem to somebody because I need help and I don't know where to turn. And I'm, I'm hoping I can tell you. And this was a guy who was writing hit songs for Christian groups that you would recognize, and he was struggling with pornography. So we went to an addicts meeting together, and we got together the following week, and being songwriters, we processed it by writing a song called Somebody's Daughter. And it was our way. He had two daughters, and I had a, I had a daughter. It was our way of planting a flag and saying, you know, this stops now. From this day forward, every woman you look at has a mom and a dad and a heavenly dad. And so it, it wasn't a project. It was a song written for a brother. 
And what happened was, as the years passed, I started hearing more and more people talking about, uh, you know, what pornography was doing to the church, how four in 10 pastors, blah, blah, blah. I started hearing all these statistics. And so I started wondering if I should pull that song out of the closet and take a look at that, because I actually wrote the song before we founded the ministry. Mm-hmm. So I pulled it out and I got in touch with my friend, John. I said, you know, I think we need to write a few more songs about this. And so uh, eight songs later and several interviews later, we had a CD, put the CD out. The first thing that happened was people started said saying, where's the video? Where's the documentary? And uh, I was like, gosh, it took us seven years to get this done. <laughs> but but we literally, once people asked that question, we went from zero to $50,000 in two days. So I took wow. that as an answer from God that we were supposed to, to get into the filmmaking business. Yeah. And somebody's daughter's been around the world. It's been on TV a bunch of times. It's been translated in several different languages. And, you know, we could talk for 10 days about the stories about marriages and saved and families turned around and all that sort of thing. It's been an incredible blessing. So good. Yeah. We'll have on our show notes links to your website. But talk, Steve, about what's next for you. What's your next bold idea? Well... The next, the next project coming out this fall is called Before We Said Hello, and it's for people who have suffered a miscarriage or a stillbirth, which, again, not a niche issue. One out of every four pregnancies ends in a miscarriage or a stillbirth. So there are yeah. literally millions of people carrying that pain. And so often, even in church, we don't give people the room to openly grieve that. Uh, because it's uncomfortable. So we just sort of want it to go away. And, you know, oh, you'll have another one, that sort of thing. So we're we're trying to educate people and and we're trying to comfort people at the same time and honor the child. The mm. child matters. Mm, absolutely. You know, that life matters. So hmm. that's the the very next thing we're doing is I told you we're working on the Innocent Child Project for uh, for sexual abuse. And I think as I go out and speak and sing that the theme that I'm carrying forward is this whole idea of broken to bless, because I think that in this what would Jesus do, you know, mindset that we've had as Christians, we've just so often tried to be perfect as the solution. And that's, of course, exactly the opposite of what we should do, because Jesus was broken to bless us. And I think it's when we are bold enough to be open about where we've been wounded and be vulnerable and honest with people. That's when we bless those around us who are struggling. That's when we when we listen empathetically. So, you know, I just really feel like that's the the one of the key messages that I want to carry forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we uh let you off the hook here with us, Steve, I I, I want to read a fairly well known uh quote. I don't know who wrote it. I was just trying to look it up and I couldn't figure it out. I think it was a Greek philosopher, but there's a quote that says, Let me make the songs of a nation and I care not who makes its laws. When you hear that quote, what comes to your mind in regards to music? I that's spot on the money and I am familiar with that quote. I think a mistake we make is we try to outlaw things instead of changing people's hearts. Songs change hearts. If you change hearts, you don't need to worry about the laws. Prohibition didn't work, did it? Censorship <laughs> no. censorship is not going to work. And no matter how, you know, and right now in, in the news, the whole abortion thing is, is flaming up again. But we need to change hearts. We need to educate. People need to have facts. People need to sit down and reason and talk you know, look at each other in the eye instead of screaming from either side. And we and we need to to stop thinking that laws are going to save us. If laws were going to save us, Jesus wouldn't have had to come in the first place. Yeah, amen to that. Hmm. That's so amen good. That. 
Well, Steve, it's been so good to have you on our show and so good to talk to you again, my friend. I know your ministry will continue to prosper because it is directed right at the heart like you were just talking about. And that's uh, that's pleasing to God. I know it. And uh, I'm, I'm so proud to know you and to know the work that you're doing and to be able to share it with our listeners. So thanks again well, for being a part of our show. Larry and Armin, thank you so much for the privilege of being on with you today. I appreciate it. Oh, so good. Well, Armin, I was glad to be able to introduce you to a guy I've known for a while, Steve. Man, he's killing it. Yeah, isn't he? Yes. I love the approach for his ministry. I mean, you can't go wrong. Well, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about Steve is, and you you heard him say, you know, the, it, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been an easy road for Steve, but he hasn't veered from it. I mean, he is locked and loaded and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, he knows what it's about. Yeah. You know, when you get those affirmations that what you're doing in terms of that deep heart transformational work, that really makes a difference. Yeah. You know. Talk about perseverance though. Yeah. It takes a lot of perseverance and, uh, you know, probably a lot of, you know, own music for the soul that you have to keep <laughs> singing to yourself right. to kind of stay with it. But yeah. I enjoy that about him. And, uh, you know, I, I was just taken back and a number of our guests that we've had on the program have had a similar kind of experience. And that is that they knew where they needed to go. They went down a path and they realized this is not giving me the energy. You know, it's not returning the psychological reward that I thought it would. Right. And it's kind of like to use the music thing. It's kind of like being out of tune. <laughs> right sure well played <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think he said it. you know he's he's writing these these songs and it's out of tune and then he we really knew he broke a string when he <laughs> wrote for the <laughs> <laughs> the chippendales of, the chippendales of london <laughs> yeah. oh, you know it just kind of made me curious of what the sound sounded like <laughs> Now everybody's going to be looking it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably isn't. Probably isn't there anymore. But you know that that's you know not only were you out of tune, but you broke a string there. And he, you know that's kind of a neat thing, a neat redemptive story about like you know God will continue to show you where you get the energy and vitality and the sense of your being in the spirit. Yeah, because you're following what He asked you to do. That's right. And uh, Steve's a guy that I think that's demonstrated that. No doubt about that. It was interesting how much music and content they've created around the topic of shame. I love that because we've talked about that so yep. much, you know, that we, we, I think we've learned time and time again, that seems to be at the core of so many different yeah, people. Almost all roads lead through shame. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. So it's cool to see that his process, um, talking to people, figuring out what they're struggling with. And that just ends up being a big portion of what they end up using as content is shame based stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you and I just responded to a listener of the show that sent us a question about that and how, how do we uh, learn to love ourselves in a mm -hmm. richer and deeper way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it does come down to peeling off those layers of shame that keep going around us. And I like the fact, uh, what you know, what Steve and you were talking about, which is that the music is one of those things that really does connect the entire human psyche, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of left, right, brain body soul kind of stuff yeah full engagement yeah and uh and and so that's great this yeah. is fun to see so steve well done I, i'm glad for your ministry and what you've done and if you want to learn more about steve's ministry music for the soul go to his website musicforthesoul.org we'll have that in the show notes but Steve also wanted me to let you know that he has arranged for our listeners to get 20% off of anything that you find on his website any music that you want to download now Keep in mind, he doesn't make a lot of money off this. So him him giving you 20% off is just like a cool deal. 
And if that's of interest to you, go to musicforthesoul.org. See what you find there. Dump everything into the cart that you want. It's 20% off when you use the word bold. And uh, and that'll be his gift to you for listening to the show. And uh, just a way of, that's the kind of guy he is. He thanks you for just listening to what he's doing, which is great. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'd love to have your comments on it. Um, visit our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 97. Uh, leave a comment for us there or on social media. Of course, you can always review our show at boldideapodcast.com slash review. Those always help us and we appreciate it. And for now... This is Larry Gates and Armin Asadi saying so long and go put your faith to work. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.